Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney, here to talk Cubs fresh off a sweep in Philadelphia. You know, I did not realize until the sweep was done that that was their first sweep of the year. And, uh, you know, when you're landing your first sweep in late July, it's probably not a great sign, uh, which is true for this year of the Cubs. It has not been a great year on the field in terms of getting those wins, but it was nice to see it this weekend coming out of the break. Um, and we'll get into, uh, you know, the, the manner in which the Cubs won these games and the key players upon whom they leaned uh, could say some nice things about the future if you want to look at it that way and, and think about it that way. And um, But it's always, I think, useful to caveat up front that it is not as though we're saying, Cubs are buyers now, baby. <laughs> it is time to turn it around. Um, you know, th- it's really more of a lot of what we've talked about before, which is that for better or worse, 2022 is this year that's viewed as building the foundation for 2023 and beyond. And when you accept that and think about it that way, I think this was a pretty darn good weekend for the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to uh, get our brains rewired in that manner for every game after uh, August 2nd. That's going to be kind of what all of this is. But, you know... I think that's something we've talked about earlier of like good things have happened to this team. Like there have been some of the hope for breakthroughs, whether it was Nico or Ian Happ becoming an all-star Nico becoming an everyday shortstop. I mean, who saw foresaw Christopher Morrell being such like an interesting, entertaining, engaging player. And, you know, we kind of lump, Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele together and probably for good reason, but they've, you know, I would say exceeded at least my expectations for what, you know, they could do this year. And it's just something that David Ross has harped on is this idea of consistency and the Cubs have not had it in really any phase of the game, certainly not lining up all three at once for an extended amount of time. And consistency is what kind of unlocked Hap to this next level and ultimately that's what you pay for that's why you pay anthony rizzo whatever 15 million dollars a year or you go longer over a longer term of years because he posts up for like 150 games a year year after year after year and you know the cubs did not get that at first base this year they haven't gotten it uh in their rotation and you know, their defense has not been very good either it's you know kind of uh you know, very indicative, I think, that you wait until late July to get your first series sweep. I think they hadn't – their f- first back-to-back series wins were like the middle of May, right? I mean, like, Yeah, that, that also kind of yeah. – It's like stacking series wins upon series wins. I mean, that's kind of what good teams do, and the Cubs obviously haven't. What I heard in there, Patrick, is that Anthony Rizzo is going to opt out of his deal – with the Yankees after the season and the Cubs are going to bring him back on a long-term deal. That was what I, I believe that's what you were trying to say in, in all of that. I mean, I have not, um, I guess totally ruled out the idea. Like I'm not, I'm not expecting it to happen by any means. It definitely felt like 
Rizzo, once that trade went down, was like, I'm done with this team. And they were, and the Cubs did not make like any serious effort to bring him back. But I do think first base has weirdly become a position that maybe the Cubs do throw a little money at or pay for some consistency that if you think Nico is this, or if you get a shortstop, move him to second. If you like wisdom, like they have a lot, a glut of outfielders. I don't know if they have, you know, three everyday outfielders on a playoff contender, but they seem to be going down this road at catcher with Jan Gomes, PJ Higgins, Miguel Amaya is now back at double a Tennessee. Like, on the position player side, if you're looking for a spot, I mean, first base is one that, to me, I don't know if you go big on Josh Bell or a Trey Mancini or, or some sort of – I think that's an area where you pay for some consistency because offensively and defensively, it's been a huge drop-off there. Yeah, you know, I was totally kidding when I said it, but you're right. The reality of that position, both when you compare it to other positions around the diamond internally – um, and when you compare it to the last 10 plus years, it stands out as a spot where the Cubs can do something there that they, you know, Rizzo had it locked down for over a decade and it, or for, for a decade. And so it's like, it's been a while since we could even observe it as a spot where it's like, do the Cubs have someone emerging, you know, through the system that could look there? Eric Cosmer, maybe? Yeah. Well, and don't even get me started on <laughs> I, I, as an aside, yeah, it's like every, I can't help myself and people make fun of me for this now, but like every rumor that comes up that touches on the Padres in any way, I immediately go, okay, but how will this mean that they have to trade Hosmer to the Cubs and send the Cubs a great prospect for, to get them to take the contract? And, um, you know, it's like, it's been discussed We're not, I'm not inventing it out of nowhere and it passes the smell test. There's a lot of fit there. And, you know, for you have to be clear with folks that, like, if the Cubs get Hosmer and they're like, okay, you know, we have an open first base, we'll give them a chance. What it does in terms of first base is it just buys you time to evaluate other things. Like, oh, is Matt Mervis real? You know, that it just gives you time. Uh, it is not, it would not be the, purpose of a trade like that the purpose would be whatever prospect or prospect package you acquire in the process it's just that not many teams have the money have are in prospect accumulation mode and have an open first base where they could do something like that so i I actually wouldn't i would keep an eye on that heading in yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't close the possibility on that until like the deadline actually happens like that's kind of been the way um the Padres operate, AJ Preller operates, and the flexibility that Jed Hoyer has uh, created has kind of left it like Hosmer question mark. Like it's not, <laughs> I don't know. Can you not imagine? a totally crazy idea? I'm just waiting for the Cubs fan reaction to the Padres, the Nationals, and the Cubs working out a three-team trade that nets <laughs> yes. the Padres, Juan Soto, and the Cubs yes. land Eric Hosmer. Because <laughs> that's how a lot of the headlines would be. And it's like, no, yeah. no, that's yeah, not yeah. what it was. Um, it's either that or the Cardinal. The Cardinal scenario we discussed is now, you know, kind of it's, continues to percolate. So it's, those it are, is, yeah, it's, it's awful how sensible that is. Like, it's, it just, it hurts me how much of a fit Juan Soto, the Cardinals, is for both them and for the 
uh, nationals because as I, I wrote this weekend at Bleacher Nation, it just, it, it gives me that haunting feeling of having to watch Albert Pujols for a decade. Um, it just, it's going to be that reincarnated and I do not want to do that. And so I'm just until, and, and if it happens, then I will, I will reckon with my new reality. <laughs> uh, but until then, um, I guess we'll leave Soto behind for a moment, but it, there's a reason that comes up anytime we're talking anything trade related, because that is, I think his presence on the market and the nationals aggressiveness to actually get something done is, is one of those things that kind of holds up a lot of other stuff um, this week. And so we may wind up getting clarity on Soto first before a lot of the other stuff shakes out. Um, and I've got a bit of a backdoor way to talking about trade deadline stuff by talking about the series sweep. And here's how, uh, you know, we're talking about the, the Cubs sweeping the Phillies this weekend and doing so largely on the basis of great performances from guys who will be very important next year. You know, Nico Horner, uh, Chris Morrell, Seiya Suzuki, even Nelson Velasquez had a great series. Jan Gomes had a great series and, um, it was good to see that stuff, but I also noticed that the rotations, the three starters in the series, you have Justin Steele um, kind of grinding through one, uh, but you, you you like to see that too. You, you do like to see that for him this year, especially. So that's important. Then you had Marcus Stroman, really great performance, one of his better ones this year. So he's hopefully finally maybe feeling fully healthy. He too, very important for next year for the Cubs. And then you had Drew Smiley, maybe the best performance out of the three this weekend. And why is that important when he's an impending free agent? Because the Cubs probably would like to shop him this week. And so him showing that he's, you know, he can go six innings, he's fully healthy. He's still as effective as he was in the second half last year and the first half this year pre-oblique injury, I think is, is very important to the Cubs going forward because this is a trade market that is, I could not count on one hand, or excuse me, I, I wouldn't need the second hand to count the starting pitchers who are clearly available this trade deadline and would slot into at least the back of the rotation of most playoff contenders. So I feel like Smiley getting healthy and performing well is probably a pretty important development for the Cubs for this trade deadline. Yeah. And I would also, if I'm looking at it from the perspective of a GM on a contending team. I mean, when the playoffs, uh, you know, the environment of the playoffs with these shrinking kind of, uh, you know, windows for pitchers of like when you can use them and like how everyone's roles are reduced or, you know, sometimes uh, guys have to get out of their comfort zone and pitch out of a bullpen all of a sudden. I mean, Smiley can do all of the above. He's, Pitched for what, like, I don't know, 10 teams? If not, it's, it's approaching 10. It might be his 10th team. Um, like, if you're a manager looking at your lineup card, like, that's a nice kind of name to have on there um, to use kind of a Joe Madden ism. And I, I also liked our colleague Matt Gelb in Philadelphia, who covers the Phillies for the Athletic, giving a shout out to uh, David Robertson on Twitter, who in the span of two days recorded more wins and saves against the Phillies than he did when they paid him $23 oh, no. million. Dollars. So that was a good good uh, Matt Gelb tweet there uh, of, 
a guy who's really reestablished his value, you know, in terms of a guy you'd want on your side um, down the stretch, definitely David Robertson. Good point, too, there about Robertson that, like Smiley, he is currently within a market where there are not a lot of obviously available, impactful options. I mean, I think from what we look every year, um, there are guys that surprisingly become available. I mean, I think a lot of people are watching the Red Sox right now because they are swooning hard. And if they get to a point where they're like, you know what, we can't do this, then a lot of interesting players become available. That probably happens before the deadline next week. But as things stand now, there is an argument to be made that David Robertson is the best rental reliever on the market, um, which is is wild. And um, I think it's easy to look at last year's deadline and knowing how many pieces the Cubs had to move um, and then see this group by contrast as, you know, not, not as organization changing, you know, that you do last deadline, right. You can really change the trajectory of your organization. This one, maybe not as much, but again, when you start looking at the market, you start to realize the, the Cubs have some really good pieces. Um, you know, they, I may have the top rental bat, top rental reliever, a very capable starting pitcher, one a a, a non-rental outfielder potentially uh, impact available, um, and uh, always the useful late inning relief arms, and you know it's a good it's a good group, and I think it's interesting that we haven't seen a move yet uh, by the Cubs or even really most teams now week out. Uh, Post-draft, I remember last year, things really accelerated quickly after the draft. Um, there were a lot of chairs to clear off the deck, and we haven't seen that yet. And I, I do suspect a part of that could be the Soto stuff and the trickle effect, because you're not gonna you're not gonna pull the trigger on an Ian Happ deal, for example, uh, in if you know there's still a chance you might land Soto the next day. So I do think that's probably a factor, and I, I wonder when that's gonna shake loose and if it might just be a particularly crazy last day and a half uh, before the deadline this year. Yeah, Dennis Lynn, our colleague in San Diego who covers the Padres for The Athletic, is a terrific reporter, and he kind of mentioned it as an aside in one of his recent stories, the idea of the Padres trying to acquire Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ, and, well, maybe Dennis didn't put a headline on it. Like That is very much um, an interesting idea that he has heard about, and he is a – meticulous, plugged-in, diligent reporter. And to your point, Brett, I don't see how the Padres pull that lever without exhausting every possibility with the Nationals and Juan Soto. So even under different circumstances last year, I mean, Chris Bryant was sitting in David Ross's office in the Nationals Park visiting clubhouse, kind of uh, smirking and wondering, like, after all this, am I not going to be traded? Like, I'm going to be the one who stays. And obviously it came down until that final hour or whatever. Um, Javi Baez was uh, in a similar type of time frame. So I think even under, like, quote-unquote normal circumstances, it, it usually goes down to the deadline. And now with um, a talent that simply does not become available, maybe once a generation in a trade, maybe go back even farther, um, certainly any team that wants offense, needs offense, is going to have to 
see if Soto is a possibility and see if the Nationals come down or if the Nationals, you know, evolve uh, their thinking in different ways. But, um, yeah, that's why I think it'll be interesting to see kind of the reaction um, to Wilson Contreras these next two days at Wrigley Field, how he processes what uh, could be his final two games at Wrigley Field in a Cubs uniform. Um, Obviously, there's... A chance. I don't know. There's always a chance for like a hamstring injury, right? Like that happened to Matt Garza a couple of years ago, walking off the mound at Bush Stadium, and that uh, killed his trade value that cycle. We still have um, no clarity yet on the international draft, correct? Like the qualifying offer system. Uh, maybe he's an Aroldis Chapman who resigns with the team that trades him, or a Jason Hamill. But we're talking about really low probability outcomes there that it's probably two more games at Wrigley Field for Wilson in a, a Cubs uniform. And I'd imagine a lot of the emotions he's contained and the detachment he's uh, maintained throughout this year, I think it's going to be harder to keep that wrapped up here the next whatever, the time we're recording, the next uh, 30 hours or whatever. Yeah, I remember last year, the the two games just before mm-hmm. the deadline yep. at Wrigley Field, um, you could – everybody knew what was going on. And I remember the, in particular the game right before the deadline, it was uh, the Cubs understandably were sitting Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant um, not wanting to risk anything. And I just – I remember the energy there of like, please just – let them bat once or something so that the fans can have that farewell. And I know uh, Wilson is scheduled. I believe he's going to catch today. Um, I think that was the discussion because he did not catch yesterday. He got the day game off on Sunday and I think he was going to, in any case, it will be interesting to see that side of things too. Like the Cubs aren't going to, um, you know, formulate their lineup and those decisions solely on the basis of like let's let's get him that standing ovation but i know that fans are going to want that opportunity because it's going to be just like last year that even though it's not right at the deadline enough fans around the ballpark know what's happening to spread that emotion around and you know if he's playing on tuesday especially if that game gets late and he's coming up i really think you're going to see a similar outpouring from fans and um boy that is going to be emotional yeah i mean we still got like a week or whatever so it's a different scenario than like rizzo's dad thanking the 1914 club like stadium workers and jed hoyer not wanting to put rizzo on a flight to dc when like they were like that close to the goal line of of finishing uh a deal but uh no doubt Wilson is the one who's kind of absorbed uh, a lot of this this year, that it's not, you know, a big three. It's a lot of interesting, valuable pieces to playoff contenders, but only kind of one guy who was on the World Series team here and the one kind of clear, true uh, difference maker. So uh, Wilson, like I said, has kept it together. <laughs> Throughout the year, he's had some very special moments, including the All-Star game with his brother and and his family. Um, You know, a Tuesday day game getaway day against the Pirates is not exactly like the greatest probable theater, but I'm sure 
it'll be you know part of the thank you Wilson montage that the Cubs send out on their Twitter account sometime in early August. <laughs> Is that being prepped right now? You think like the <laughs> under under lock and key the uh, Cubs production staff, which they do excellent videos. They I are do wonder, super talented. As much yeah. as I make fun of no, the Cubs they, productions, thank yous like they are very very. Oh gosh, uh, the ones talented. last year. It was a bit of like, oh, come on. I can't I can't do this right now. Um, although we are all better trained now to handle it this year so that if and when Wilson does go, uh, it'll probably be um, – it'll be a bit of a cycle of like sadness and anger and then counter reactions from some fans that are like, hey, but look at the deals last year. They turned out so well and then, you know, yada, yada. I don't look forward to that stuff, but I do hope that there is just something nice – this week, you know, a nice moment, a nice send off, um, something positive, a positive lasting image from a guy who's been in this organization for over a decade, who has worn this season so well, um, given everything that was coming and who, you know, I, I just, I just want to see success for him, uh, after, you know, in the second half this year and then whatever comes next. So, That'll be among the stories that we're tracking closely this week. Um, uh, you know, all right, question for you, because this, this here's my wrapping point. So we'll record later, later, later this week, about three days before the deadline. Do the Cubs make a significant, and when I say significant, I don't mean at a national level. I just mean significant for that moving like a, a, a decent piece. Do they make their first trade before we record the next pod? I would think so. I mean, when you're looking at the scope of what they're trying to do and using history as a guide here, looking at some of these pitchers uh, in terms of like kind of getting, you know, I don't know if clearing the decks is kind of the right um, term, but Drew Smiley's shown enough. Like he was probably their most consistent pitcher pre oblique injury, uh, even though his like, all of his numbers maybe weren't in line, but he really gave them a good chance to win like almost every time out before that injury. And I think what he's shown since coming off the injured list is uh, more than enough given his track record to uh, let teams know what he's capable of. Um, you know, David Robertson did not pitch for a very long time, as Matt Gell <laughs> noted on Twitter. Uh, we've seen him pitch multi-innings, uh, you know, he – I'm just kind of curious, like, at what point – or maybe this is already happening of David Ross being told, like, hey, let's not use, like – like, how are we going to script out David Robertson's next week, right? Um, and then, you know, I still think Hap is probably – likely to stay I, I do think that the cubs are kind of looking at next year of like how many holes are we going to have to fill um having said that you know i think he's more of a he's got to be kind of like a backup option for teams right like it's kind of once it gets down to the deadline of like okay well maybe we will do this for happen with wilson it's the soda it's the soto angle you know i don't see i would imagine that that would have to get resolved one way or another before teams step forward to make their best offers. But if you look at, I was thinking about this today, Brad, of the timeline of the 
Tapera's, Chafin's, um, those types of guys, which the Cubs kind of have, were late July, a couple days out. So I, yeah, I, think, I think you, you Chafin, want that. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, the Jock Peterson deal was much earlier, but I believe Correct. the yeah, Chafin deal was, then, like, yeah. was yeah. like maybe four days before the deadline. Something like that, and yeah. That, that was when things started cooking. Yeah, good, good summation there. And we will either be digging in to what has happened uh, on Thursday or we'll be talking about what is still yet to come. Uh, until then, this is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney. Get his at The Athletic. And we appreciate you. And we also appreciate Wilson Contreras. And you should appreciate him too at Wrigley Field over the next two days because it might be your last chance. Uh, All right. Thanks all. Take care. Have a good week.